Welcome back. This is Hardcore Podcast. You just heard Kings Never Die. It's their new track, Rally. Kings Never Die started up right before the pandemic. They had some membership changes, mainly our good friend Danny Schuler, who we've had on a previous podcast a couple months ago. And this is the, I would say, the brainchild and the uh, focus of Dan Nastasi who has been in so many incredible bands, from Mucky Pup to Doggy Dog, Murphy's Law. He even filled in for Leeway for a little bit. I mean, he played in One for One. I mean, the guy's been in a lot of bands. And Kings Never Die is pulling out all the stops, New Jersey, New York, hardcore, classic style. And this is a track they've been excited about putting out. Make sure to check them out. There's a lot more activity coming from these guys and featuring some of the best from... New York Hardcore ever. So check out Kings Never Die. I'll leave the link up in the uh, This Is Hardcore podcast episode page. So we're back. I know it's a Monday and over the weekend, some of you might have been like, where the fuck's the episode? This episode specifically is about terror and pain into power. The LP that just dropped on Friday, May 6th. And a while back, I had the honor and privilege to record this with peers of mine, mainly the godfather of Pennsylvania himself, Richie Crutch, and Zach Nelson of 185 Miles South, who is no slouch as well as far as his time in hardcore, what he's done for hardcore, and he was also uh, a previous guest. They lately uh, came back in October. We had him on. But we were approached, the three podcasts, to get on and have a long conversation with Scott Vogel of Terror. And so what we did was we parceled out these different um, excerpts. So what you're listening to is part two. Part one is on post America podcast feed, which came out at the exact same time this did. And then if you want to listen further, you're going to have to listen to number three, which is out on the 185 Mile South feed. And this is a great way that podcasts can be used to be involved in the promotion and the marketing of a record. And what a better record to talk to someone who's also been on my podcast at least once. He has been on Post America podcast at least two or three times. He's been a guest on 185 Miles South. So the three podcasts together got to pick the brain of Scott Vogel and talk about the myriad of things going along with the record, inspirations, his thoughts on it. And the only way to get it all the way through is to start at number one with uh Richie and Post-America Podcast. So you're not going to be offending me if you stop this right now and you go to Post-America Podcast. And I'll have a link in it. If you're like, where is it at? You can find it on Spotify, all the same place you can find this podcast. But you'd be doing yourself a disservice to not listen to the first before you're listening to this, which is part two. And I'll remind you at the end of this, go to 185 Miles South and listen to part three. Now, as a podcaster, 
this is really cool. This is really cool to be able to sit in and talk about something new, especially when I started this. This was the middle of the pandemic. I was looking for an outlet and had the bug, the bite, start this thing up. And uh, just shy of a couple episodes from um, number 80. In fact, I think this is 79. I've released a couple of shorter ones that I didn't actually number. So this is the formal number 79. But uh, as a podcaster, as someone who was involved in the early stages of terror from selling demos in 2002 in Drexel Field, which you've probably heard a million times by me referencing it, I've loved terror from its inception. Um, I'm lucky to check out the demo and check out the band and got to see them playing basements when they first started. It's 20 years later and this band is rolling like a fucking truck in a fucking Mad Max movie and a fucking chase scene. And it's never going to stop. And the record's fantastic. As we talk about it, it's so hard, man, to be a band who lasts longer than two LPs because people get more critical. To be a band who lasts 20 years is even harder. To make ends meet, to tour the way that they've done. And for that alone, terror stands out. And it's cool as fuck to be a part of this podcast. So I'm going to do my usual thing. And for those who have never listened to this hardcore podcast... Uh, we started back in September of 2020, and this has been a project where initially I was thinking about interviewing people who learned a lot from DIY and how they put it into the scene, and it also became biographical, where I sit down and talk for hours and let some of our favorite people in hardcore, or people you may not even have heard of, which are some of my favorite people in the world, tell their story and what their connection to hardcore is. And I kind of balance the the point between that. People in bands, people I love, people I'm interested in, and people that are now, as you've listened to so many of these episodes, you understand the connection. And a lot of the people that come on have probably already been referenced. Comes out weekly on Fridays. The last two I've had come out on a Monday last week because we announced This Is Hardcore 2022, which this podcast namesake is for. And also, um, we had it come out the week before because we were waiting for the announce to talk about some bands and I wanted to do it in the right fashion. And that's why we did it this way. And so, if you're first time listening and enjoy this, uh, check out, uh, you can go to tihcpodcast.com, which I'll say at the end again. Now, included in every This Is Hardcore podcast intro is a little talk about what's going on in Philadelphia. And what's going on with This Is Hardcore Fest. And since the last episode we broke down every single band playing This Is Hardcore. It was important to have every single fucking band out there. And me, Bob, Greg, Kev talked. It was great. But um, I'd like to go over some other stuff in Philly Hardcore shows. Because we're about to ramp up into one of the busiest fucking times I think I can remember for years. So this... Upcoming Thursday, May 12th, we have Agnostic Front, Sick of It All, and the Crown of Thorns playing at the Brooklyn Bowl, which is in the complex across from the Barbary and Fishtown. And uh, this is a co-promotion for Philly Hardcore Shows 
But, you know, the legends, the kings themselves, Roger agnostic front, teams coming into town. This thing's been moved around a lot. Um, you know, with COVID, it's been rescheduled. And, and we're really fucking happy to have this. So make sure you go to that show. It's uh, at a bowling alley. So you can punk rock bowl and do your thing, drink some beers. And then the following night, Friday the 13th, uh, Alex Bradley, AXBX, the one and only. She's got Broken Val, Snub Nose, Jab, War Crimes, and Not One Truth at the yard. You've never been to the yard, man. It's a wild place. We're talking about right in the middle of <laughs> suburbs just outside the city, an awesome little skate park and some cool shows that we've been putting on. AXBX, Alex Bradley has been kind of holding point and put down some wild shows there. It's Friday, um, May 13th. May 14th, Underground Arts. First of two nights for the California Takeover. That night, the headliner will be Earth Crisis. Earth Crisis, Strife, Snapcase. And then it'll be, actually, no, opposite. Earth Crisis, Snapcase, Strife that night. As well as Fixation from Philadelphia and Envision, which a lot of the members are from Philadelphia. Sunday, May 15. This time, Strife is headlining. Strife, Earth Crisis, Snapcase. Special guest taking the spot of Buried Alive because Terror is going to be out on her fucking tour is Ignite. This is the first time I've ever seen Ignite and Strife on the same show. Uh, we had Brett Rasmussen from Ignite on the show back in October. Check his episode out. And um, that's a fantastic. And then to make the bill even more fantastic, Year of the Knife from here is opening. Both them shows are sold out, but check the internet because people have been unloading some tickets. Uh, you know, I, I, tr- I planned so long ago. You know, we sold this out in June of 2021. It got moved um, due to some COVID stuff within the bands, and it's been rescheduled. So make sure you check that out. And then Monday, it don't stop, May 16, at the First Unitarian Church, Terror, Scott Vogel, they're back at the church. Last time they played was right before the um, the year of the pandemic, and they it was a benefit for Howie from Alone in the Crowd. And it was fucking fantastic. But Terror's back at the church. They are bringing with them Kublai Khan, Sanskrit Kebab, as I always say, Sansuga Bob, or however you say the name, and uh, Pain of Truth. And from our area, Philly, Jersey, Shackled. Big ups to fucking Shackled for booking their own motherfucking U.S. tour. So many bands need to follow that route. Book your own shit. That's Monday 16. Got a day off. And then probably one of the most fantastic shows we've ever been a part of. The Exploited. With Harley, Cro-Mags, Total Chaos, and Battalion, Zoska, which is Pat from Violent Society. Violent Society is an old school punk band from Philly. Pat's been in a couple bands, but just wanted to reference Violent Society. That's the Wednesday, May 18th. Tickets are still available for that. And then a day off. And then we have Struck Nerve, which is Marty Williams from Agitator and so many bands in Philadelphia. Philadelphia's Straight Edge, along with Berthold City, which is Andrew Klein from Strife, his band, Berthold City. Our boys in change from the Pacific Northwest and New Jersey's young boys and girls. Some of the finest moshers. These kids travel all over the East Coast for shows. 
reaching out on the stage or in the pit, supporting everything. Young kids, absolutely fucking fantastic. And they're opening the show at the yard. And then the next day we have another Alex Bradley show, which is a kind of mix of Salter and other stuff. Sun title, all under heaven, leaving time, private mind, and the insides. It's a little bit more of the pop stuff and some more like sonic wild sounds. This is also at the yard. That's just May 21st. I mean, we've got shows all over this fucking place. The way to check this shit out is at philly8cshows.com. Remember, we got No Pressure coming in June. That's going to be a wild show. That's at the First Unitarian Church with Illusion, Raw Brigade, and Killing Me. That's June 26th. Bob Wilson, you know, he kills it with FYA. He kills it with all the Bob Wilson stuff. He puts on this thing, Philly Unity Barbecue. This time it's at the Philly, um, the suburbs of Philadelphia. The Phoenixville Polish Club where we had Gridiron and we had Zababa shows and we had Integrity. And I'm just going to read off the bands because it's all local Philadelphia bands. And the deal is pretty simple. The doors are at 1. If you're there two, by 2 o'clock, you pay $2. If you're not there by 2 o'clock, you pay $10. Now, these are just in alphabetical order. Bankrupt. New band. Check them out. Carbonite, which is featuring Lennon. They killed it in January. They're fucking awesome. Chemical Fix. Uh, I love Mikey. I love uh, Bert. Love all the guys. Um, choice to Make. Any uh, PA representing the Philly conduit man Keith has got a great voice. Check them out. Cycle of abuse. Michael with the deep ass voice. Damnation's domain is the year of the knife gang in their death metal band with Brandon Watkins singing. Fire in the blood. Another band coming up. Fool's game. Who Clemo and Su- uh, Soupy and Jake. Jesus Christ. Foreign hands from Delaware. Garot new band. Zach Barone and Richie Crutch are too stupid to know how to uh, pronounce that. Here, Hair to Stay, Kevin Hare, he's back in a band. First he had Hollows, now he's got Hair to Stay. I'm going to be fucking everybody up in the pit for that. Killing Me, another great band from Delaware, Lice Question. That's a band on everybody's uh, lips right now. Josh, Pringle, all them guys. Let's see if they got it. Never Again, this is a great band from Jersey. Bob's been really pushing them hard. I don't know much about Scrutinize the Camp Up, but I'm waiting to check them out. Snub Nose and also Year of the Knife. This is a Philly barbecue. It's about everybody coming out and hanging out and seeing all these local bands. It's the third one's Bob Dunn. Absolutely fucking fantastic that he does this shit. So check out the local Philly stuff. While we're at it, quick This Is Hardcore update. In the current ticket sales department, you can no longer get a three-day pass. If you want to go to the show Friday, which features Marauder, Section 8, Punishment, Hoods, Queensway. It's a lot of dope bands on that night. You better get your tickets soon because we were under 100 tickets till the whole night sold out. Those three-day passes are for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They're gone. So the only way we're going to see Marauder and them bands is if you buy a three, your own single ticket for that and get it soon. Um, we also have two-day passes, which is for Saturday, Sunday. And uh, you can go to the website, This Hardcore Fest, to check it out. Tickets are going well. We're starting to pick up tables. We're going to have a lot more to offer and promote shortly. Thank you for supporting This Is Hardcore Fest. And thank you for supporting This Is Hardcore Podcast. And thank you for being a kid who just listens to the show, and goes to shows, and buys merch. You know, hardcore is one of these beautiful things where the kids on the floor, the kids supporting the bands, one day they get to take a mic, or they get to pick up a guitar, and they get on stage, and then they become someone that everybody else wants to see. And I think that there's very few better examples in this world than looking at the life of Scott Vogel 
and the life of terror and all the members and all the bands associated terror when realizing every one of these people, which I always call the Avengers because they're the best of the best, whether in their own bands or in terror, every one of these people started out as some kid going to a show. And that music made them want to pick up an instrument or grab a microphone and do more. And anyone listening, whether you're fucking 12 years old or 44 years old, you can do that right now. And that's what you should be doing. Start a new band. Do this shit right. Keep it real. None of this pro core immediately having a management before you've ever done anything kind of bullshit. Do it for the right reasons. Remember the words of rabies. Don't forget the struggle. Don't forget the streets. And always keep the face, baby. Here we go. Excerpt two from the fucking Pain into Power podcast. I can't tell you once again how privileged I am. Truly how privileged I am to be able to be a part of this group. This is a triple cast. I'm so thankful to be a part of it. And make sure you've listened to part one because you might have missed some cool shit. And make sure when this is over, you're listening to part two. All right. Let's fucking go. Scott, can you talk about how you felt like the first time you you heard the first song on the record pain into power. Cause it's just a ripper. Like, what did it feel like when you heard it? Like the demos of it with just, you know, drums and the guitars. Like, are you like, what the hell? Like, this is going to be good. Uh, this is. So we're like maybe six sessions in to, uh, writing. And just to give a little ba- background, let me, let me try to, to lay this down, how all this started with Todd, because the whole pain of the power song track one of the record is is Todd's brain. Um now I I hope I get this all correct because my brain is kind of shot. There was a point um let's say a couple years ago. Actually, even before that. Uh, I think I had the idea of maybe on the last record, uh, Total Retaliation, or it might have even been the one before that, which was the 25th hour. Me, Nick, Todd, and Jordan was in town, and maybe Martine was there too. We all got in a room and, and kind of had the idea to do this, to just have Todd help write some shit for whatever terror release it was. I think it was the 25th hour actually. And we all got together and, and like kind of wrote some stuff with Todd taking the lead. And, uh, it was, I, you know, I don't know what happened to it. Maybe we had two song ideas and they never got used. I can't remember why. So that was like the first flicker of what became of this last record, the, the new record. Um, then after that, me, Todd, and Jared Carmen of Trapped Under Ice and Down to Nothing. Um, I just kind of wanted to do some sort of side project with Todd. And we were going to, I don't know if this is correct, but just for, for the sense, for the sake of the story, we were just going to write some songs, record it, and have like some project band. And it never, the, the most it went was me and Todd texting a lot and Jer- getting Jared involved. And I remember Todd sending me a photo of him, like with a bunch of guitar amps being like, I'm fucking psyched and ready to do this. And then life took its toll and that went away. Um, I don't know the exact 
happen the the exact happenstance is that a term happenstance i'm going to say that but i don't know if that's correct but i believe the world went into a pandemic we knew we weren't doing anything we knew everyone wasn't traveling we knew probably was a great time to write because there wasn't else there wasn't anything else to do and i'll just take the credit for it i don't know if it's true or not but I said to Nick, let's reach out to Todd and see if he wants to do what we talked about last time. And maybe he came once to Nick's studio and it went so fucking great. We looked Todd in the eye and said, we have to have you produce this next record. And he said, Scott, I will do it. I don't know if that's how it happened. But for the sake of the story, it was some sort of form of that. So now, bizarrely, And very, very, very bizarrely, the way this band started was Nick and Todd had this band going. They got in touch with me and asked me to be the singer. I went and saw what they were doing. And I said, yes, because this is perfect hardcore, in my opinion. So that was back 20 years ago. So now 20 fucking years later, um, at the time when Terra started, we were doing the band, the start of the band, in Granada Hills in Nick's garage. Now, Nick has a, a a house studio in his friend's studio again in Granada Hills. So I'm getting on the 405 to go meet Todd and Nick and Martin to write terror songs again, which was I'd be driving there and being like, this is so fucking weird, but so fucking cool that not only is terror still a band, but we're making our eight, whatever, eighth, ninth, 10th, 15,000th record. And now Todd is, is doing this shit with us again. And okay. So yes. So to catch everyone up and now to the first song, So we start doing this, and I think we made a plan to get together every other Sunday. There was no rush. There was no time crunch. As much as we want to write music, we're not like 18-year-olds that want to do this every day. It was like, all right, every other Sunday, let's get together and write terror songs. Nick, I'm trying not to leave anyone out of this. So Jordan's sending songs. Chris is sending songs. They're sending their thoughts. But they can't physically be there. So one day, I'm, I'm going to say on session six, that's, again, just a guess. Todd, if anyone knows Todd, he is so fucking intense. And so on this record, I would know that we did something right when, we're, when we did something correct when we were writing, when Todd would just get this look on his face or, like, start pumping his fist fucking aggressively or start laughing or shaking his guitar. He's just intense and it's all about the feel for him from my perspective. And the one day he came in and he was just like on 10, like I've got this idea. We are, I've got the the fucking idea. I've got the riffs. I've got the fucking 
we're going to plant the flag of what terror is about today and show the world what's fucking up with terror. This one minute song, it's going to be the first song on the record. And I'm like, oh my God, okay, fucking awesome. Him and Nick go in there. They knock the whole thing out. They fucking lay it all down. And I'm just like, I, I, a lot of times I'm like micromanager nitpick. This has to be a little different. Let's try it this way from the first note or the feedback to where the drums come in to the end of the song, which is about 50 seconds. I was just like, Todd, you're fucking hardcore genius. I, I had nothing to say except you are correct. And that's how I felt. And nothing about the song has changed. It's exactly the vision from day one. That was a long That's answer. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> I love it. I've, I've said this before in conversation with you. I've said this again on my podcast to others that terror and a lot of bands, but terror specifically is to hardcore what the Avengers was to the world. It's just like a, a group of humans pulled together the top of the top. No, there's no, there's no B minus player in terror. And thinking about what you said about the, the last record and going for this big, you know, huge production that will put and he puts in, there is still something special here in that you got Todd Jones. Who's been on how many records Jordan, who's been on how many records Jared's who's been on how many records, all the people that are in your band writing these songs have touched so many records that are so many hardcore kids favorite record. Like there's so many different records that could potentially be someone's favorite record. This is what makes terror above all the band to listen to when a new record comes out. And it sucks to say that about these bands that have huge legacies and insane, important foundational parts to hardcore. It's when a terror record comes out that you want to hear it because you know, you're listening to something that someone who's still at the peak, someone who's still at the top of their writing, someone who's constantly edging and evolving. And I think part of it is because of terror doesn't just play with, you know, the bands they played with 10 years ago. You're always carrying new support. You're always pushing forward. And I think the combination of you being someone who sits in the stands with the kids, the one who says, Hey, dares playing. I'm going to go see them. The one who's still texting me about new bands that you saw to check out. I think all of these elements or why this record is what it is. And I think it's impossible for another band with as much time. And like you said, 20 years to just walk in and pull off a record where it's 18 minutes long. It's 10 tracks. And you're like, what the fuck? I need to listen to that again. And I think it's the symbiotic relation between all of you and what you guys bring to the table. And I have to wonder if as this thing's being put together in a way that you, your answer brought it, like, that you're not like fuck. I gotta step up or fuck that. Like how do you, how do they do? You think that their energy tops like oh he put this out. I gotta do something better. Like is there a competitive energy? Is there a, like it's got to be exciting to work with the best of the best? Ultimately is what I'm saying. Okay, let me try to get to all those points. Um, when when Todd first left Terror, it was very scary. You know, he, he wrote the early stuff. So yeah, we went and got Frank three guns and you know, that is amazing. Like that guy was in fucking ringworm and integrity. Like, so we, we always kind of 
Maybe it's the the friends that we have, but uh, you know, replacing David Wood, who was in terror for ten years or something, and had such a great stage presence. First of all, he's just a great person to be around. Amazing stage presence and all the backups he did. Linkovich, without blinking, was like literally the perfect replacement. I can't, he was perfect. When Frank left the band, I had always had this thought that Martine was going to be in terror. And, you know, I, perfect. Martine does so much for terror beyond, he's so live, he's so tight, and all the backing vocals he does is so amazing, but he's just, his work ethic and he, he does art and he has, you know, as much as I'm in touch with hardcore, he's even maybe more in touch with hardcore. And you know, I do not want to leave out and something that has to be said right now, Nick Jett is as of today, a father, which is amazing. So I'm going to give the ultimate congratulations to Nick right Yay. now. If he gets, if he gets a chance to hear this, uh, he, I woke up to a message from him at six something in the morning. I woke up at like seven 45 and, uh, yeah, he had his baby today. So congrats to Nick and his wife and his family. That's amazing. Um, but Nick is, you know, he's, he's actually been in terror longer than me because it was him and Todd that, uh, put this insanity together. And not only is he an amazingly consistent drummer, but Nick is the type of guy that you ask him to do anything for the band, uh, annoying things like drive the van here or do the, all the stupid things that go into a, a full-time touring band. I don't think he's ever said no. And on top of that, he's written, I mean, for the last, since Todd left the band, he's written full records and half records and three quarters of records. So I am, and, and people I'm leaving out like Doug and, and Carl from first blood and everybody that I'm leaving out. I've been, I, I don't have too much talent. I can jump around and scream and, and go off on stage, but I've been extremely blessed to have these amazing people and uh, also to get on the same wavelength that I was talking about before, like, you know, we'll be in Europe and, and play a festival for so many thousands of people. And the next day, you know, we play a half full club and, you know, there are some bands that would just be like, oh, fuck this, phone it in. But no one in terror ever has that thought. We always just go out there and, and give it all we can. And that's, that's hard to find people. And to live in a van for 30 days or 60 days and, you know, people are going to get on each other's nerves and stuff. To, but to have the love and respect for each other, to not let it get to the point where we're like, fuck you, I'm out of here. It, it's really a blessing. Um, I, so I think I tackled the first part of what you asked me, Joe. What was... I know you said something about competitive. When they're all or, going through this stage or, of writing this stuff, like when you were talking about them sending stuff back and forth, it had to be exciting for you, but like, fuck, this is really going to be something different. 
And then at the same time, it's got to be something for them to hear, like Jordan hear something our team did, or like, oh shit, like it'd be like showing up to a team sport practice. You don't want to be the one missing the fucking net. You know, like you don't want to be the one showing up and like, oh yeah, this dude's shit's ass. Like it's got to be something special to see this pulled in. And then when you take a step back, you realize what these members are responsible for just in other records that they've been involved in. It's got to be a special process. And then for you, like you said, and it's also really endearing that you were honest and said that on the, um, on the record you didn't prepare for, you felt bad. It's like you're owning up to things that you didn't do. And you're like, nah, this ain't going to happen again. It's got to be something different than, and then the average band putting a song, uh, a song or even a record together. Well, I think one thing that's extra special about this record and in a horrible way is Chris and Jordan were just handcuffed. You know, we, we would have never done it this way if that wasn't what the world served up to us. So I give them, you know, a million thank yous for being so understanding because if you know jordan jordan has been in terror i don't know 12 13 years i don't that's just a guess for for me if, if i was in the band and be like yeah dude we're writing today i hope you like what we do that takes a really understanding person to be able to just to 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 give up the reins like that and let it fly um but like i said he has several there's songs on the record that he wrote start to finish because they're just that good. Um, but, you know, I give those guys a lot of credit for for uh, rolling with the punches and understanding that it's just the world is so fucking different right now. We got to do it this way. And on that, and to what you're saying, I don't know if it's, you know, there's one way of thinking it, and I hope you're right, that everyone's like, I don't want to be left out. I want my shit to be the best. I want my shit to rise above and make the cut. I also don't want it to be like, ah, we got so many hitters here. I don't, I don't have to hit a home run this time. I hope that's not what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was just texting with Jordan today, coincidentally. And I said, I've got you. I, uh, I was out in California with world be free, like a month. I don't know. It feels like a month ago. And, um, Todd came to the LA show and, you know, we're hanging out and I was getting a little bit loose. And I was like, Todd, you have to produce the next record, get your brain wrapped around the next one. You got two years off, but in two years we have to have you. And I was saying to Jordan today, like my dream lineup is to get terror and Todd and Ben cook in like a weird cabin out in the woods and somehow have some sort of studio situation. And like the seven of us cook up the next terror record. That would be uh, like the next level. It would be like this, but adding Ben into the mix and having Todd and link right there. I can't even understand what we would do. Mountainside recording. Was that Richie? Is that where you go? (laughs) Richie mountainside studios or where was that? Yeah. That's the name of the place. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, is it out in the woods? Yeah, he's in the mountains, baby. And there's a cabin that you can stay in? Yeah, you just stay in the joint. He has another house, but uh, that would be sick. Yo, check this out. Look, Scott, I'm going to have a little fun with you. There's oh, somebody no. in my band who's also your best friend, 
and he has a dude. He has a saying. He always, if anybody in the band fucks up on our song, he says, "You don't even know your own music." Okay, so I'm going to test you right here. And no, no, I don't like this. <laughs> listen, listen. But if, your your friend Luke, I saw him on Saturday night, and he was. He was on one. He was on two. He was on three. You've seen him worse, oh, though, right? You've seen him worse. This Richie. Oh, really? This was a good one. Wow. This was a good one. I saw him the night before. Okay. He was pretty nuts. All right, check this All out. Right, test me. I'm going to give you a lyric. You're going to tell me what song it's from, okay? This is on your is new stuff. Sh- your new stuff. Okay. That's what we're talking okay. about today. I know you're going to get it, but I want to see with the speed and pre- precision how fast you can. What do, you, do you want me to give you the next line or the title of the song? Just the title of the song, okay? As fast as you can. Okay. Don't you ask for help because all you have is your fucking self. Go. Uh, Can't let it go. You don't even know your own music. <laughs> oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Prepare for the worst. That's it. Prepare, Prepare for, for the, the worst. worst. Second time around. Luke is upset. All right. L- listen, I like these lyrics. Don't you ask for help because all you have is your fucking I self. Love that. I love so it. tell me how to survive when all I love just fucking dies and all you know is pain when everything you lost you didn't need. Keep telling yourself it's going to be okay. You want to fuck up my life, but it's too late. That's some good that's fucking awesome. lyrics. And that's right off the bat. That's the first line of that song. Wow. Great, great track. All right, we'll forgive you, though. You kind of fucked up a little bit, but you got your redeemed. <laughs> I'm saying uh, there's a lot of great standout lyrics in this, and uh, I know we mentioned uh, On the Verge of Violence, and yes. there's a line in there, Feel the Tension on the Streets, Murder, Addiction, and Disease. That's just like, that's a great, a great line right there, but good stuff, man. Yeah, that on the verge of violence is just like was really looking at like the darkest state of what I saw during the low point of the pandemic and everything that was going on. It was, you know, you know, I I found ways to keep my brain occupied and and pushing towards a positive way, but it was so fucking negative. And I mean, we're, you know, it's not so great right now, but so uh, I, I feel like things are a little bit better now, but that that was like the summary of what was going on. No this was a song. I was say that song reminds me of all like oh. if Scott Vogel was writing an all war song. That's all I want to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Scott, how do you get in the mindset to write lyrics? Because I'm always curious about this. I think that people that are creative, you know, you just don't like Jimi Hendrix. Just didn't sit down and like try to write "Foxy Lady." You got himself like in a mindset and it's like you're channeling something almost. Do you, how do you get in that mindset? You talked about turning off Instagram for a month, but do you write better during the day? You write better at night. Do you have a couple drinks and get loose? (laughs) Uh, I've talked to some people that they write in the shower. You know, I do that sometimes because that white noise somehow, like I can get in a zone and channel. Um, What do you do? Uh, For me at this point, uh, there's, what I do is I have a, you know, the notes section in my phone. So if I'm listening to Nas and I hear a cool phrase, I'll put that in the notes section. If I'm watching a movie and I hear something cool. So I have that. That's kind of like my backup. That's when I get, uh, when I get going and I get stumped, I look at that to, to keep the train rolling. But for me now at this point, I have to be affected 
whether I talk to a friend and they tell me something really fucked up, I watch the news and see something really fucked up, I go to a show and something really bothers me and now I'll switch it, or I go to a show and something puts a huge smile on my face, or I'm out somewhere and I run into someone and I hear something really great. I have to like get into this aggressive, angry mode or joyous, happy mode. That's when I'll, even if I just like lock myself in the bathroom and, and write like eight lines or I uh, get home from doing something and I'm really mad or really psyched and I just belt out these lines. That That's for me at this point what has to happen to spark me to like really try to get some things out. And sometimes when I do that, I'll, I'll put, I'll, I'll write like, I don't even try to do lyrics at that point. I just start writing paragraphs. And sometimes I'll be like, Oh, this is so stupid. Throw that in the garbage. And I'll get like five good lines out of it. And that's like the foundation. And then I'll go to that backup bank and build off of it but at least then i know what the song's about and what the vibe of the song is that it's created on something really honest and really emotional whether high or low how has that process changed over time (sighs) that's just where i'm at now um it was easier before you know like now I don't know. I I don't know. I guess it's just due to the fact that I've, you know, written so much. That's just where it is now that that it it wasn't like that before. Maybe before it was like, okay, uh, Slugfest just had a practice in our drummer's basement. Well, his parents were upstairs hating every minute of it. And by the time I come back next week for practice, I better have lyrics to the new song. Or not even I better. It's just like, I can't wait to put lyrics to the new song. Like, that's what the vibe was then. And now it's just, I don't need to rush. And I'm only going to write when my brain tells me it's time to write. When you started this band, like I said earlier, it was hard to think of a band like Terror immediately jumping out and taking over the way it had. And you guys went from being like the band everybody was talking about to the band that everybody wanted to be. You are, again, like I say, you specifically are the standard bearer for hardcore across so many different things. Like I just watched you play with Dying Fetus in a crowd in Pennsylvania. I've seen you play with so many different mixed audiences. And I love that when you go back to the thing unashamed, I actually wrote uh, in my notes for unashamed, unashamed dot, dot, dot love for hardcore. There are too many bands that have focused on. There's another level. There are too many bands that look on the side of hardcore at how can I go to do something else? And, and I just want to say that in writing a record like Pain and the Power 20 years into the band, not only do you cement yourself firmly as one of the purest hardcore bands to ever do it, I think that you guys are going to set the path for some of these young bands that are looking at 
the bands that are looking to play in these big places. And I'd like you to kind of go into just for people listening, how a young hardcore band could play the shows where there's barricades or open those tours. Like you have opened those tours where the bands are not really hardcore and still maintain all the integrity of a hardcore band and still be a hardcore band. Because I think something that didn't exist when you started was so many different layers of management and a label involvement and booking agents are just so embedded that the smallest level of hardcore is infested with it. So if you could take some time to, you know, espouse what you've learned and then try to give kids who are in these hardcore bands, like, Hey, you can still be a hardcore band. You can play with these metal people and keep your integrity. That's a great question. And an important one. I hope I can do it justice, uh, answering it. Um, so I'll just try to answer it by being honest. Um, because there was a point in terror when I think we went too far out of, of who we were or what we love. So to start, uh, you know, when, when terror started, I don't think we, any of us thought anything more than let's just make a fucking 1000% in your face, hardcore band. And I think we had, you know, kind of a, a cool, I don't want to call it advantage, but differing point with me just moving to the West coast from, uh, LA or Jesus Christ from Buffalo and being a little bit older and me knowing all the people I knew and buried alive, definitely being a different style than terror. And then Todd and Nick coming fresh off of carry on being a little bit younger being from the West Coast, putting those two things together, I think we had this kind of cool blender of uh, everything, everything I just described. And we really hit the ground. I mean, one thing is we, we made a pretty cool demo and it had a cool cover and we came up with a cool name, in my opinion. And we just hit the ground running and we just had an intense live show. And everyone in the band was kind of already primed up it wasn't our first band um you know and we did the fir first record with bridge nine and that was perfect and then soon we swung over to trust kill and that's that's the first hint of the things that you uh touched on joe bigger label a label that was more known for 18 visions and throw, uh, no, maybe throw down or I guess throw down and bleeding through and, and stuff like that. But I think through that, I think this is the first step of terror remaining terror, but being able to get in front of different crowds. Our, our sound wasn't going to change. Our look wasn't going to change, but we were happy to go on tour with every time I die. But the next month, we're going on tour with Blood for Blood. And I think there's, uh, in, in pushing forward in the same way, we, especially in Europe, we got opportunities to play festivals, huge fucking festivals with humongous rock bands like Creator and, and 
uh, behemoth and like these huge metal bands. And, you know, we'd be on the same stage as them right before them. Um, you know, right now it's very common for every band to have a banner. Back then it wasn't, we would have a banner, but we sure weren't going to get, um, that riser, like the, the, the vocalist would put a thing so he could stand up higher and like, all these things and our, we weren't going to have uniforms or uh, our dress code wasn't going to change. We were going to be terror, but get in front of different people and play, you know, not only preach to the converted. I don't know how many times, you know, I was, I'm going to get to uh, a time when we were touring where I think we kind of lost touch. We toured a lot with Amur and we toured with Chimera and we're kind of like doing a lot in that Sumerian record scene. I don't fully regret it, but I do think we kind of stepped a little outside the box. And that what happened, but, but the beauty of that was that was the most time where people would come up to me and be like, looking like, you know, Mr. Hardcore and say to me, I actually saw you guys on tour with Amir. I look completely different. And basically saying, thank you so much for opening my eyes up to this. Because now I feel like I'm in a music that more suits me. Um, but I think the recentering of all that, I think we, you know, we, we really had an internal talk saying, okay, we're playing a lot of shows with bands now. That we don't really, and I'm not talking about Amur or Camure or anything, but we were just touring with a lot of bands and doing a lot of packages that we didn't really like believe in. And we're playing a lot of shows with barricades and doing a lot of things we didn't fully love. And when Keepers of the Faith have like that whole record cycle idea touring. We kind of just recentered ourselves and said, all right, let's do, you know, we'll still do outside the box tours once in a while, but that's not going to be the majority of it. The majority is going to be stuff we love, taking bands we love, going with younger kids that keep us feeling young and reminding us why we, we still do this and love hardcore. Um, we also kind of had this awakening of, if it's not a terror shirt design that you're going to wear, then don't fucking sell it because then you're just throwing stuff out there. That's just like, Oh yeah, that's fine. And you see it on people and you're like, Oh man, why would I do that? So we, we kind of had this internal talk to bring things more back to the center, which is just who we are and what we believe. And it, it, you know, it is, I'm not a young, I'm not a young kid. I'm not in a new band, but from what I see and hear, it is very much maybe the, you know, when, when terror started, there was very few bands, uh, sick of it all had done it. AF had done it. Hatebreed had done it, but there was very few hardcore bands that lasted this long and made a living off the band. I know that's like evil to say, but that's that's just the facts. I feel like now 
maybe since several bands have done it since, that's almost like the goal. And I think if you operate your band thinking profit, thinking long-term, thinking longevity, thinking how to take that next step, thinking of how to balance one foot in, one foot out, I feel like that's like the recipe for disaster and it's not going to work. I could be wrong, but that's what my gut tells me. Scotty. Yes. This is not about the new album, but I'm interested in this. The split you did with Hot Water Music. I know <laughs> you're a big fan and you love those guys. How did that come about? Okay. I got to I got to take a, a a back step. Joe, did I did I address everything there cuz I think that was an important No, one. I think you did a great job and again, to hear you be honest and kind of go deeper gives a beyond just this record to like beyond the music of all terror. And I appreciate you giving background to people for this. Good. Okay. Okay. Now from that seriousness to the most fun thing in the world. So, uh, for anyone that doesn't know, hot water music is my favorite band in the world. More than Madball, more than Warzone, more than Gangstar, more than mob deep. Hot water That's music. Big. There is a time. There is a time when <laughs> I'm dying. There is a time when I would have said Madball or Warzone, who are two of the greatest bands ever. But I'm going with hot water music. Um. So, how did this all happen? Um. I know hot water music a little bit. Back in the late '90s. Uh, oh, and also a, a funny kind of thing is when I first heard them, I did not like them at all. I, I was like, yuck, get this away from me. But at the time I was living with and playing in a, a band with a couple members of Buried Alive and they really liked the band. So they would play the band and eventually it, it hit me. And I, I started to like them, and I liked them more and more and more and more and more to where we, where we are today. Um, and at that time, during Buried Alive, hot, uh, yes, Hot Water Music took Buried Alive on a weekend of shows. It was Hot Water Music, Elliot, and Buried Alive, which is such, for That's me, crazy. I never knew it's that. the greatest, yeah, it's a great thing. I think it was uh, maybe Buffalo, Toronto, and Montreal, nice. something like that. So, you know, we did know them. They did know that we were fans of them. And they were, you know, they they know hardcore. They they love hardcore and respect it. And uh, I believe, I feel like I didn't make this up in my head. I've said this before to people. I feel like they told us or me that they put us on those shows because they wanted their, like, fan base to get a taste of hardcore or, or brutality or something. So um, fast forward to right before the pandemic, um, Terror got asked to do a festival in Sao Paulo, Brazil with Hot Water Music playing. Uh, Hot Water Music was headlining. We were on the show. Uh, Popeye from Far, the band Farside was also on it. 
So we went down there and played one show with them, hung out with them, and, uh, you know, got a, got a, a touch bit closer with them. So now to this fucking split. Um, so for anyone that's unfamiliar, there's a website called Two Minutes to Late Night where this wacko guy named Jordan who paints his face does all these wacky things and puts all these collaborations together of like people playing songs together. I don't know, but maybe it was just like a... a a was birthed in the pandemic of everyone having wild ideas of what to do with their time. Uh, that could be wrong, but maybe that's right. Anyways, he did a cave in every time I die split, uh, where each of those bands covered each other. And I saw that and noticed it and said, you know, that one's not too outside the box. Those bands are obviously different, but from the same world. Um, Next, I think, he did Integrity and Nothing, which is super cool, but definitely, like, people would be like, those two bands makes no sense, but makes perfect sense. And that's what I thought when I saw it. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really kind of fucking cool. So one day, I'm recording vocals with in Buffalo. So now I'm living in Buffalo with Jay Zubricki, who I mentioned earlier, who did the vocals to the new uh, terror record. And he brought up to me, because he, when Every Time I Die did their split with Kaven, he recorded them. So he brought up to me that this guy Jordan had mentioned to him that he would like to do something with terror. And I was like, cool, let's let's do something crazy. This is still pandemic times we're we're not doing anything he said pick a band that you want to do it with so i fucking go for the gusto i say hot motherfucking water music mm-hmm. jordan thinking yeah right jordan says give me a week i'll make it happen a week later he says they're down i'm like hell fucking yeah but yeah fucking right it's never gonna happen so at this point, I have to go to Terror because there are members of Terror that me that love the band more than anything, members that like the band, and members that don't really care so much. So I have to be like, this happened for me. Can we please do this? Terror says, Mr. Vogel, we love you. We will do this for you. Now I hear Hot Water Music is in the studio recording their new record, which actually came out about a month ago and is amazing. And they're going to do it. So I'm like, all right, this is getting real. We do our track. They do their track. I didn't, we, we didn't know what song they did of Terror until it uh, premiered or whatever you want to call it on the internet. And... Um, you also have to do a video with this. So uh, if anyone saw the video, we got a little bit goofy. Hot Water Music is known for like Chuck, their singer, Chuck, one of their singers is like this master fisherman. So it's got me on a boat fishing and singing their song. And then it, it was, uh, I, I was extremely happy with how our song came out 
like that was nerve wracking for me because it's a totally different style and they can actually sing a little bit. But when I heard their, them doing the song Keepers of the Faith, it was like unfucking. They just proved to me again, they're like not only the greatest band in the world, but the coolest fucking people in the world. And it was, it was really cool. That's one of the bucket list things I never thought would happen. But it Yeah, did. when I saw that, I got excited for you because I know how much you uh you liked them. You had me up on the bus one one day till five thirty in the morning, forcing me to listen to all their shit. <laughs> now that's very cool. Uh, there it is. You just heard it. Part two of Pain into Power, the triple cast with Scott Vogel. You will now go over to one hundred eighty five miles south, and you will check out part three. Thank you to Zach Nelson, Richie Crutch, Scott, and Jimmy V. And everybody at Terror for having this is hardcore podcast be a part of it. You'd like to check out future episodes, or you need the links directly if you're using um, the dot com stuff. Go to tiacpodcast.com and we have all the links for today's show. Check out some previous episodes. Also, if you're interested in Philly hardcore shows, go to phcshows.com. And also, this is hardcorefest.com. Thank you for supporting hardcore. Thank you for supporting terror. Rock out the fucking terror, pain into power. It's the fucking record of the year for 2022. If you're from Philly and you don't have your ticket for the terror show at the church, next fucking week, you're already losing out. Don't be a fucking bum. Get your fucking ticket, and I'll see you all in the pit. Take care, and an irregularly scheduled episodes will resume as of this Friday. Thank you very much.